The scripture is from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same intention. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has finished with sin. So as to live for the rest of your earthly life, no longer by human desires, but by the will of God. You have already spent enough time in doing what the Gentiles like to do, living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you no longer join them in the same excesses of dissipation, and so they blaspheme. But they will have to give an accounting to him who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was proclaimed even to the dead so that though they had been judged in the flesh as everyone is judged, they might live in the spirit as God does. The end of all things is near. Therefore be serious and discipline yourselves for the sake of your prayers. Above all, maintain constant love for one another for love conquers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. And like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ, to him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Lord God, open our ears that we may hear the words that you have for us today. Open our eyes that we may see your presence and open our hearts that we may be filled with your love to share with all others. Amen. So I was thinking last night about a scene from an aircraft carrier, if you'll go with me. There's this huge bustle of everyone being very busy as the plane's getting ready to take off. There's people checking the fuel, there's people checking the wheels, there's people checking all kinds of stuff all over there. And all of this culminates in one moment where the plane takes off. And then there's this boat full of people just standing there in the middle of the ocean, like, okay, what do we do now? And this reminds me of annual conference. <laughs> because all of our pastors for all of Virginia in the United Methodist Church, and many of our lay members as well, have all gone on this plane to go to annual conference and to share things together. And just as a little snapshot of what's going on there, uh, they're coming around around the theme of servant leaders making a difference based on the first Peter 4.10 verse that we read earlier. And actually yesterday, our Bishop Lewis led most of those uh, clergy and lay members in a great day of service. From about two to five, they all went out and did service projects in the community where they're at. They fed the hungry. They visited the sick. They provided for those who were in need. And this all sounds beautiful and wonderful and kind of like a plane taking off and soaring. And then I think about my yesterday, me sitting here still on the boat, wondering where the plane went. I mowed most of my lawn. 
Not the whole thing, but most of it, and that's significant improvement, so I'm very proud of that. Uh, I straightened and vacuumed our basement, because that needed to happen. I worked on this sermon. I chased my daughter around, which never ends. That's, that's not a winning struggle, that's just something you keep doing. Uh, when I compare that to this annual conference, this plain soaring of ministry and worship that all of our leaders are at, it kind of makes me wonder, what am I supposed to be doing? What does it mean for me to be a part of the church? I think it's very clear right now for Al and for Phil and for all of the, the clergy there what it means for them to be a part of the church. But for us sitting here today, what does it mean for us to be a part of the church? And so I invite you, if you'd like, to join me in First Peter. Uh, in your pew Bibles, it's around page 224 in the New Testament. Because I think what Peter has to share here is very relevant to a church and a people that are looking to find out what it means to be the church. And I'll give you a little bit of background about this letter. This is Peter writing to multiple churches in Asia. And for whatever reason, Peter thought that they needed encouragement. He thought that they needed someone to reach out and talk to them about what it meant to continue being the church. Some scholars believe that this letter was written after Paul died because this is not a church that Peter founded. The churches in Asia were largely founded by the Apostle Paul. But after he died, they might feel lost. They weren't in a community of churches. There were just a few that were scattered about. And Peter was worried that without the leader that had founded them, that they would be lost, that they might go back to their old ways, that they might forget the gospel that Paul had shared with them. So Peter wrote this letter as a means of encouraging them and to help them kind of as they struggled with their identity he wanted them to know what it meant to be a church. And so as we look to verse 10, Peter shares, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. I wanted to focus in on this verse because I think it has a lot to say about what it means to be the church. I think it says something about us as a whole, as the people called by God and what our role is in dealing with the world. I think it tells us a lot about how we should be treating each other as part of the church, sometimes as part of literally the church, the people that you see, maybe once a week. And I think it has something to say about what it means to be a part of the church for each of us individually. So as we start in on that, the first line, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Manifold is definitely one of the vocabulary words that I'm always pretty sure I know what it means, but if you asked me to give you the definition, I would look it up beforehand because I wouldn't trust myself 100%. It's a fancy way of saying the many ways. The manifold grace of God is the many ways that the grace of God appears. And as I think about the church and what the church is meant to be to the people around it, to the outside world, the idea of being stewards of that grace, I think, fits very well. I want to start by defining that grace of God, because grace can be a number of things. Some people think of it as unmerited favor. Peter helps us out here. He actually says a couple of times during the, the book of First Peter what he sees as the grace of God. Uh, one of those examples is he t talks about the grace that has called us to God, the grace that has allowed us to respond to God's love for us. He sees that as grace. Another example is during suffering when we need support, when we need strength. He sees God's grace as what brings us through that. 
And also, when we are humble, he talks about a grace that is given to those who are humble, a grace that allows them not to boast, but instead to remain secure in their humility. I think one of my favorite sections where he talks about what grace means to him is actually in chapter 5, verse 10. Uh, Peter describes that the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. It's a beautiful image of what God's grace is for us. God's grace restores us. It supports us. It strengthens us, and it establishes us. And so as we talk about the church and what it means to be a part of it, God's grace has established us as a church. It all started with God loving us and calling out. And the primary example of God's grace is the life and death of Jesus Christ, who came because God loved us so much that God wanted to be with us in communion, that he would die on a cross, and more than that, would come back to life so that we would know that God himself desired to be with us. That's the primary grace that we have, and that's the core of the church. But we're not called to just sit in the grace. Peter says we should be stewards of the grace. And when I think of stewards, I have this image of the caretaker of some beautiful mansion that just arranges that everything is taken care of so that it's cleaned, or you know, if repairs need to be made, they know what needs to happen. This idea of being a steward of grace, I think, is a little different with God. Because, realistically, I don't think that God needs me for his grace to continue to abound. God's grace is something that is greater than any one of us. It was there before we even knew God, and it is there with us now and will be there for all eternity. So I like more the idea of a steward being someone who receives something, but then administers of it. I think of doing a budget where I receive money, and then it's my job as a good steward to make sure that that money is going to where it needs to be. And that's our role as the church with God's grace. We are some of the people in the world who receive God's grace, and we're invited to share it, to administer it, to make sure that it's going to where it needs to be. This is something I think our church does very well with our ministries of compassion, working with the food bank, and just reaching out in love to our neighbors when we talk about the slide that flashes before each service being a church in downtown Charlottesville, being a part of that world and reaching out, I think is the role of the church as Peter describes it. We are sharing the grace that God has given us to each person that God is reaching out to as well. And so I want to remember that all of this is a response to God's grace. And without that, there's really not much we can do as a church. We need God's grace in order to do it. And that leads into what we do within these walls. After talking about being stewards of God's grace, Peter says that we are called to serve one another. Serving one another is what I was told when I was growing up with my siblings, when my parents wanted to make sure that everyone got an equal piece of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I was told that I would cut it, and then I would serve the piece that my sister wanted. And I figured out years later that this was all a ruse to make sure that I cut it evenly, because then I might get the small piece if I didn't. It was actually pretty smart. I might do that later with my kids. But the idea of serving one another in the church helps us to remember that it's not about focusing inward, but focusing on the needs of each other. We're surrounded today and all the time by others who 
have their own needs. Others who are searching for God, others who need to feel the grace of God in their lives. Even within these walls, I think oftentimes more often in these walls is where we need God's grace. And our goal as a member of this church is not to look to our own interests, but to serve each other. That's kind of terrifying, honestly, because I worry that if I spend all of my time caring for someone else, then I'll have nothing. If no one else gives that back to me, then I've spent everything that I had, and I worry, will I have anything left? This is especially on my mind when I'm at the hospital working, and it's three in the morning, and I had just gotten to sleep maybe 30 minutes ago, and the pager goes off because someone needs someone there. I wonder sometimes if I have anything left to give. I wonder when I'm going to get something back, in that moment usually thinking about sleep. But that goes back to the idea of God's grace, that thing that established us here in the first place. While we are caring for others, we are cared for by God. And because we are cared for by God, we will have enough. Hopefully, within the church, we're also cared for by each other. It's the idea that if everyone is leaning to the right and we're all in a circle, then we're all supporting each other. As long as we're caring for each person who needs it, we don't fall. We lean, and we lean into each other in a way that's stronger than just one person. I think our goal as the church, as the body of Christ here in Charlottesville, is to work with each other to find what we need and to serve each other in that. Now, that, that can be a sticky point because when I think of serving each other, I'm like, okay, well, I'll give everyone what they need. And I already know what they need, right? I don't, actually, and it's kind of awkward to ask sometimes. But I think we need to do that. Every person sitting in this room right now has a need. Every person has something that brought them here. I think part of our role as being a church with each other is asking each other what we need and then doing our best to fill those needs with love. If we work together, that's what makes us a community, what makes us a family. And that's a growth of the grace that God gave us to start. The grace that allows us to be as a church is also what allows us to serve each other. But then we get to the fun part. Because Peter explains very clearly, not actually very clearly, actually, what it means to serve one another and how we do it. And he says, what we do is we serve each other with whatever gift each of you has received. I don't think that Peter is asking me to give up my Lego set that I received when I was 11 for Christmas. That's not the kind of gift that we're talking about. But I think we're very quick to make a short list of here are the gifts that one might have. One has a gift for teaching. One has a gift for hospitality. One has a gift for prayer. There, there are lists of gifts when the, within the Bible But I want to open it up a little bit more because I think this is where Peter is talking about what it means to be the church as each of us, as an individual. What does it mean to be the church? When I hear whatever gifts, that leaves it very open-ended to what could be a gift. One of the things that I can do fairly well is sit quietly I learned that as the youngest of four, where if I made too much noise, it would be a problem. I can sit quietly, which I don't normally think of as a gift, but in my work at the hospital, that's actually exactly what a lot of people need. 
is someone who can sit there quietly and listen to them as they talk about what's going on in their lives. So that's a gift. I'm going to softball one to all of the fathers in the congregation. So all you have to do is smile and nod and not say anything. Get ready. I think what most fathers believe is that their children are one of the greatest gifts in their life. Y'all did better than the nine o'clock. They were snickering by now. And I, I think there's a truth in that, that I think of my daughter and I think of the loved ones in my life as a gift. And because of that gift, I have opportunities to share God's grace. I have the chance to watch a little girl if I can catch up to her as she grows, as she learns, and I can teach her the love that God has given me so that she has that in her life. That's another gift that allows me to serve. Another gift that actually is hard for me to call a gift, I've struggled with depression for most of my life. It's something that comes up every now and then that's just really something that is hard for me to do. It it makes life difficult to even care about the things that I know I love. And when I talk about that as a gift, I don't think innately it's something that is wonderful, but God makes it a gift. I've had the chance to sit with others who are struggling with that same thing and talk with them and understand them and be with them. God turned something that I didn't see as a gift into something that was. He redeemed that. So I invite us to think, when we think about what gifts we have, it's really the whole of our lives. Everything in your life is something that is a gift from God, whether it be your loved ones, your job, your talents. Every part of your life is a gift that can be used to serve others. And so when I think of being the church as an individual, it's finding those gifts that God has given me even if there's something that's not normally a gift, not normally a positive thing, and allowing God to transform that into something that can help others. I think that's a beautiful image of God's redemptive work in our lives. And even if everyone's off at conference and all the pastors are away, this is something that's a part of each of our lives, is finding those gifts that we have. So I encourage all of you to think about what gifts that God has given you, whether it be a a normal talent uh, like baking. If you bake, bake for the glory of God. I know we have a wonderful ministry of people who bring bread that we can hand out to others who come to visit with us. Uh, For those who quilt, I I love that we announced the quilting ministry today. Uh, There are those who have a gift for making those quilts that will be given to people in need. And even if I don't have that gift, I have the ability to go and write a prayer for these people to let them know that God loves them and that I support them and that I'm thinking of them and praying for them in their hardest times. That's an opportunity for us to give out of the gifts that we have of being here. And maybe if there's something that's harder, an experience that you've had, maybe a part of yourself that you're not proud of, that can be a gift because God can make it into a gift. And once we allow God to do that, it allows us to serve others and bring us together as a church. So as you think about being the church, I hope today that you'll hold on to the grace that God has given you, the grace of salvation, the grace of a constant love that never disappoints us. And I hope that you can put your own interests aside and care for those around you, Ask the person next to you, hey, what do you need right now? How are you doing? 
Is there anything that I can give you? Is there anything I can do for you right now? That's part of us being a community together. And then use your gifts. Allow them to be transformed into something that serves others. I think for Peter, he was worried that this was a church that might fall apart. And I think as a church as a whole right now, we're in, I'll use kerfuffle, I think is a good word for it. There are a lot of people that are worried about the future of what it means to be the Methodist church, the church in general. I think as we go back to this scriptural call of what it is to be the church, I feel some peace that there definitely is something that I can be doing right now to be the church, to be a part of the church, and to point towards God as the church. So I invite you to hold that, and as you think about your your coming week, look for the gifts that God has given you and the ways that you can give those forward to the person who needs it. Amen.